0: Look, we've said that this is the end of Joshua. This is the last time we look at Joshua as a church, at least for the next season, and I don't know how long seasons are. It'll be interesting to see if we come back to this. This chapter 24 is a covenant renewal. Joshua has brought all the people to Shechem, and Shechem is the romantic place of the nation. Shechem is where God made Himself known to Abraham uh, hundreds of years before, as Abraham came through the Promised Land before he went into Egypt. And so when God wanted to make Himself known to them again and to speak to them again, He brought them back to that place where He had engaged Himself to Abraham by promise. It is a place of beauty, as we saw last, year, last week. A place of authenticity, of, of God's faithfulness, if you will. And finally, a very specific God who reveals Himself there, specifically in what He has done for the Israelites. And you can go back and listen to the sermon. You can go back and read the first 13 verses if you want to see how God has done that. But in this place, God reveals Himself again to His people and through the lips of Joshua renews the covenant that requires a choice. And I want to make the connection for us that Christmas is like that. A time where we consider who Jesus is but more importantly and impressively every time we gather together to hear god's word preached and to receive the sacrament this covenant is renewed before us that forces choice that requires choice you guys see it before you and i want you to see it in the from the mouth of of joshua here verses 14 through 18 you see him tell them to choose right Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And then he, in a very radical way, says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that your fathers served in the region beyond the river, that is the Euphrates River, if you look down where Terah came from, where Abraham came from or the gods of the Amorites, the gods that were around them now in Canaan, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The choice is put before the Israelites here in Shechem. Serve God, Yahweh, so when it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the the personal name of God. The God who made himself known as the, as the God of you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Or, he says, serve the traditional gods, the gods of Terah, the gods who are the gods of the land from which I brought you. Now you go, wait a minute, God went to that land that was supposed to be protected by those gods and plucked Abraham out. And you might say, well, it would be stupid if they worshiped those gods. And then he says, and if you don't want to worship those gods, then choose the gods of the Amorites, the the gods that are around you now, the contemporary gods. Choose them if you want to. But as the Israelites would have heard him say, but you're the God that just delivered us from them and delivered their land into our hands. And the idea that Joshua challenges the Israelites to serve one of those three gods Yahweh, the God who has made himself known, the gods that existed as the traditional gods of their forefathers on the other side of the Euphrates or the contemporary gods of the Amorites who are around them. Abraham says, you've got to choose one. You have to. But then, excuse me, Abraham doesn't, Joshua doesn't. And then Joshua in the end of verse 15 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the lord we will serve yahweh joshua lays it before them and says you're here at shechem you've seen what god is going to do who are you going to serve it's kind of amazing when you hear them in 16 and 17 the israelites recount the story in, in, in an abbreviated form that Joshua had just given them in the 13 verses prior. And they say, that's the God, that's the God we're going to follow. But what's so interesting is that Joshua has already said, look, there are foreign gods among you. You see it there in this admonition in verses 14 and 15, but you also see it again in verse 23 where he says, put away the foreign gods. The connection that you need to make is that the Israelites... Even in Shechem, even at that place where God was making himself known to them tenderly and with mercy, we're still worshiping other gods. And so they say in verses 16 and 17, We will, we will worship Yahweh. And Joshua looks at them and he says to them in verses 19 and following, You're not going to be able to. Look at what he says in verses 19. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do to you harm and consume you after having done you good. And then the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and we will, and his voice we will obey. What is Joshua getting after in this? Joshua is saying to the people God, Yahweh, demands exclusive worship. Serving Yahweh means not serving any other gods, right? He says choose which god you're going to serve, but you can only choose one. You either choose God, or you choose the traditional gods, or you choose the contemporary gods, but you cannot have all three. Joshua puts it before the people there. It's Shechem, this place where God has demonstrated, as we saw last week, his beauty in reminding them this is a place where I engaged myself to you. Where God said, this is a place of my faithfulness. I came back to this place of promise. It's a place of specificity of how I have brought you here and what I have promised you. And now Joshua says, you have to choose one or not the other. You see, the Israelites were worshiping multiple gods, not just one God. They were worshiping Yahweh, they were certainly worshiping Yahweh, but they had brought along the gods of their forefathers and they were already attracted to the gods of the Amorites. We had already seen examples of where they had worshiped those gods. And Abraham, or excuse me, Joshua breaks open why this is the case. He says, look, you're not gonna be able to serve God when you have these other gods in your midst because God is holy and he is jealous. And right there, maybe your alarm goes up and you go, that's the problem. That's the problem is that Christianity has at its core a God who is jealous. But I want you to be careful in how you think about that for a minute. I want you to think that usually when we speak of jealous, we say we are jealous of someone. We are jealous of something that someone else has. We are jealous of them. We want that, and so we are consumed with our jealousy. But the right way to understand God's jealousy here is that God is jealous for someone, not of anyone. God is not jealous of us. God is jealous for us because he created us for himself do you see this and that's why joshua is very specific that you have to worship one of these three options but you cannot worship them together the syncretism of the israelites is challenged right here And you saw in verses 23 and 24, they said, therefore, okay, we're going to worship God. We're not going to worship these other gods. And so Joshua then says in verse 24, then put away all the foreign gods, get rid of them, and you're witnesses to your commitment. There are very few places in Scripture where, as some have written, the thin veil, between heaven and earth is as thin as possible shechem is one of them the incarnation has to be another we contemplate in this season the christ child coming all of you were once babies some of you were closer to that time than others of us but you were all once babies And I want you to know, when you came, everything changed for those around you. (laughs) Everything changed. I don't care if it was for your siblings. I don't care if it was for your aunts and uncles. I don't care if it was for your parents or if it was for your grandparents. Everything changed. Everyone who around you would never be the same because you had come. And it forced those around you to look forward to the future and to make decisions. At the time of Christmas, we are further in this story, aren't we? We are further in this story than the Israelites were at Shechem. The Israelites, who you know in the pit of your stomach, did indeed choose to follow other gods, foreign gods, and and not only followed them, but, but disregarded God. So much so that they gave themselves wholeheartedly to foreign gods. All the way to the end of... Of offering their own children as sacrifices to those gods. But here we are reminded as we ponder the gift of Christ and specifically in this worship service, as you hear the word preached and as you enter into the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, whom will you serve? We have the same choice. Gods of tradition, contemporary gods, or Yahweh, the God of scripture. Whom will you serve? There was a great article in the Boston magazine this week. Is Boston finished with God? I don't know if you saw it, but it was fascinating. And one of the statistics in it was that we, who live in Massachusetts, live in the least religious state in our nation. And the question comes, as we live here, how his syncretism worked with us as well? As we consider the call and the gift of Christ, and as we consider here in this covenant renewal that takes place Sunday after Sunday, as we hear God's word proclaimed as they did here, and as we go and receive the sacrament as we are about to do, our hearts ask, where are we syncretistic as well? The traditional way of pursuing God might be termed religious. The contemporary way could be termed secular. The religious way might be understood as self-denial. The secular way might be understood as consumption. Not just consumption of food and alcohol, but certainly including food and alcohol, but consumption of any desire, any appetite, right? The traditional way of worshiping gods would be creating deals and making deals. If this, then I will get this. The contemporary or the secular way is the denial that God is even present. The traditional way leads to despair. The contemporary or the secular way leads to dissatisfaction. And the question could be asked of each of us. As we try to suss out our own hearts, where are we tempted? One could argue, and I think it's reasonable to say, most likely for us in the context of being in ground zero of the least religious place in our entire country that we are probably tempted toward secularism toward the idea of consumption, whatever it is, even the consumption of experience. you, You would say you can't get enough of X, right? But the question that might bring light to this for you is where does your sense of insecurity, where does your sense of insecurity drive you other than to God and Himself? Where does it drive you? And it is in this context that we consider Christ coming as a baby. The Lord of all creation entering into creation that he might become a human to be an instrument of God's salvation. The baby in a manger. And from a manger to the cross Bearing the price for our sin at that cross. And from the cross to the tomb. But not to be left there, but to be raised from the dead. And from the tomb to the throne. And this for us and for God's glory. Because God is a holy God. And God is a jealous God. He is not jealous of you. He is jealous for you. It makes me think of the song that we sing What wondrous love is this, O my soul? O my soul. What wondrous love is this, O my soul? Who? else would go to such lengths to make his love known for us james read isaiah 9 and when you think of this child for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given the end of that says and of the increase of his government his rule, his authority, his control. Did you hear me say that? This week in your life, his control of the increase of his government and of peace. There shall be no end. And it is the zeal of the Lord that will accomplish this. Why? would you be motivated to turn from the syncretism that we are all tempted toward? Because God is a jealous God. And he's jealous for you and for all of you. And to turn to consumption or to denying is only going to lead to a deep and unsettling dissatisfaction But to turn to Him and to cry out to Him is the way in which He reveals His glory and His control, His tender mercy. This babe in the manger, Jesus our Savior, of His government and of peace, there will be no end. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Pray with me.